Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than host and commentator, Sharon Reed should be an amazing breakdown. Top story of the day, former President Donald Trump is being sued again for sexual battery. And an analyst has said Trump will eventually call for violence against America. So let me first start with the lawsuit. On Tuesday, the Daily Beast reported that columnist E. Jean Carroll is moving to sue former President Donald Trump again under a new sexual violence survivor law. We've been pushing for this law a very long time, accusing him of sexual battery. The lawsuit stems from an incident in the late 1990s, during which Carol alleges that the future president raped her in a department store. And is an escalation of the litigation she is already advancing against him, I will explain. In an August letter, in an August letter to a New York federal judge that was just made public Tuesday, Carol's lawyer notified the court that severe legal action was on the horizon. The issue was brought up in court related to Carol's current lawsuit against the former president. She sued Trump while he was still at the White House claiming she was defamed when Trump said the journalist's revelations in her memoir were lies, adding a piggish line about how she's not my type, he said. As the report noted, Carol already has a defamation lawsuit against former President Trump for attacking her character with the claim she lied about the incident. However, this will be the first time Carol actually sued the former president over the alleged rape itself. This comes as Trump, who has been accused of sexual harassment and assault by more than two dozen women. Remember this, more than two dozen women have accused this man of the same action, same activity, the same crime. Now he faces two separate criminal investigations as well, relating to the plot to overturn the 2020 election and classified documents stash at Mar-a-Lago, as well as a potential legal action from the New York State relating to finances of his family business that is ongoing now. Now, here's the thing, I said this as soon as Trump became ex-president Trump. I said Trump will be a defendant for the rest of his life, no matter what. He will be a defendant of some sort, criminal defendant, civil defendant, and that is bearing out. This is the worst life lived of a former president of the United States. And the walls are closing in on this character. He's losing money, he's losing reputation, he's losing his grip on the Republican Party, evidenced by the fact the Republican Party will not allow him to announce he's running for president until after the midterms. Why? Because he is that toxic now and he motivates Democrats in ways that Democrats cannot motivate each other. Just keeping it 100. So now a new analyst who's really an old guard figure. Former Watergate figure John Dean has warned there will be violence as Donald Trump finds himself in increasing legal peril. They are no longer saying it may be violence. They're no longer saying it is probably going to happen. You have analysts who have worked at the White House previous saying this atmosphere and this former president will in fact create violence in America. Now I'm hoping 
that to be untrue. I don't want to see a violent America. I would like to see a peaceful democracy. But let's be very clear about what's happening in this country. You no longer have a fight of ideology. This is not about best processes versus better processes. This is about two very different countries. These individuals claim to be anti-government, but they are not. Remember, they are continuing to recruit individuals who work in government. They are continuing to place people to work for government. They want their members, the Proud Boys and others, to run for political office, to gain, to obtain power in the political and government realm. That's not anti-government. What they want is a different government. They want their form of government. They want a government where white supremacy is their God. They want to go back to the times of the 60s and 50s when a white male dominance, a white male dominance in the culture was all the power structure deemed. That's it. They want to go to that time. Make America Great Again was about make America white and white supremacist again. The ideology is there. There is no coincidence that the KKK universally endorses Trump and Trump endorsed candidates. It is not a coincidence that the white supremacist rallies are all pro Trump operations. No coincidence that CPAC holds their conference at the same place, at the same resort as the white supremacists on the same weekend. Because it's the same group, makes it easier for them, right? No coincidence whatsoever. Sharon, what are your thoughts on this? Well, let's start with the lawsuit, okay? This should be the easiest case to prosecute. If it were me, Rashad, I'd call one witness who used to work at NBC and the network has the only piece of evidence that I would enter into the case, okay? They've got that recording, Trump's yep. own words. This is a very serious thing and I wonder, I do wonder, I have my doubts if he'll ever be held accountable. But he has to. But I also, as much as I like John Dean and his place in history, I wonder if he just needs to put on Captain Obvious's hat and uniform here because mm. there are certain segments of the population that are presumed violent. And then there's this other guy who's accused of rape. We've seen the footage of the violence he's called for. He's lied, he's stolen, according to the New York Attorney General. Um, and yet, we still, people are still getting rich writing books um, and articles saying, we better watch out. What more do we have to convince our fellow Americans up here? What more? Yeah, well said. All right, we'll continue to follow this as it develops. Imagine a 14 year old child is being told by a deputy sheriff to do a particular action. The child does that particular action and the child dies because of the deputy and the deputy's words. Let's put his picture up full mass. That's exactly what happened to this 14 year old child, Andrew Joseph the third. Finally, the, the family of Andrew Joseph the third will get their day in court. This happened years ago. This is a highlight of the criminal justice system moving in a very different way against members of law enforcement. This happened February 7th, 2014. This young man, this child was hit by a vehicle when attempting to cross the interstate in Tampa, Florida. The reason he was hit was because of what the cops told him to do. I'm going to give you some background of this. His parents and family supporters have argued for years. Had it not been for the Hillsborough Sheriff's Office, that 14 year old child would be alive today. 
Now, after eight years, parents are finally getting their chance to hold the sheriff's office accountable and the deputies who were responsible for the death of this 14 year old child. There's a wrongful death lawsuit that has received the go ahead in federal court. What led to the death in 2014 and 2014, Joseph along with many other children were at the Florida State Fair when a fight broke out among some of the kids causing Hillsborough Sheriff's deputies to intervene. Joseph was waiting in line to get on an amusement ride and he was not part of the fight at all. However, he was still rounded up along with the other children and kicked out of the park by deputies, okay? So remember, he's black, he's young, he's not involved in the fight. He's in line trying to actually enjoy himself. He gets rounded up, he gets thrown out. He had absolutely nothing to do that nothing to do with the violence that has already been proven, documented and settled, okay? There's more. According to court documents obtained by the Tampa Bay Times, the children were in deputy's custody for a little less than 45 minutes. Then placed in sheriff's vans, then driven away from fair entrance gates and finally dropped off at the edge of the fairgrounds near a busy interstate, it was interstate four. The Times also reported on record a deposition from another teenager with Joseph at the time of the accident said a deputy guard in one of the fair entrances told the children and I quote, the only thing separating them from the main entrance gate to the fair is the interstate prompting the children including the 14 year old Joseph to cross the interstate where he was hit by an SUV. The driver was not charged, let's put up the parents who have been seeking justice and opportunity to hold those accountable responsible for their son's death. Since 2014, Joseph's parents, Deanna and Andrew Joseph Jr. have tried to hold the Hillsborough Sheriff's deputies accountable. But despite their wrongful death lawsuit filed back in 2016 against the Sheriff's Office, the Florida State Fair Authority and the Hillsborough County School Board, their case has been repeatedly delayed with appeals to the Sheriff's Office citing qualified immunity. There it is again, qualified immunity has protected them, has protected these cops from day one. Qualified immunity should be no more. It is a ridiculous, uh, horrible, anti-democracy, anti-transparency and anti-fairness doctrine. It was rooted in Southern states creating an opportunity, a barrier so that white cops could brutalize black children without having a civil liability when they were sued. That's why this qualified immunity dynamic was created in the first place. There's more, Joseph family finally made a breakthrough last year on October 12th. When a panel of federal judges rejected finally the sheriff's office appeal, preventing them from using qualified immunity in the case, clearing the path to a federal trial. Now, why did the federal court, why did these judges make a decision to set aside qualified immunity? While I cannot speak to the summary of their reason, I can speak to the statutory dynamics of the rule. If it is determined that an officer's action 
is so egregious and so negligent and so outside of the normative duty or scope of their operation, a judge can decide to set aside qualified immunity. And that is exactly what these judges have decided to do. Let's put up the pictures of the leadership, Hillsborough, okay? The current sheriff, his name is Chad, Chad Cronister. He was appointed in 2017 following former Sheriff David G's on the rights retirement, right? The federal wrongful death case blames the sheriff's office for the teen's death and for violating his civil rights. The trial is expected to last until the end of September. The day before the trial began on September 12th, the Joseph family and the Florida State Fair Authority reached an undisclosed settlement. A jury is expected to decide if deputies will be held accountable in Andrew Joseph III's death at the trial's conclusion. I bring this story to your attention because I want you to remember the number eight, eight years, eight years. And as soon as a judge, a federal judge makes the right decision, everything starts moving in the right direction. The company decides to do the right thing, create a settlement rather than a fight. The officers are not being held accountable, eight years. What was the one thing preventing this family from receiving justice in eight days? or eight months, it was qualified immunity. The qualified immunity clause, which has been not only problematic, but obviously is opposite of holding somebody accountable. There's no such thing as qualified immunity for medical doctors that kill patients. There's no such thing as qualified immunity for let's say a professor that has an inappropriate relationship with a student. There's a higher level of accountability for every single profession except for policing. They are the only profession in America where there's a lower standard of accountability rather than a higher one. You get certified, you get commissioned to do something. No matter what it is, you have a higher standard of accountability for that post, except for policing. Share your thoughts here. Boy, so many. You know, these delays over eight years, Dr. Ritchie, were set up. And it's designed in America to force black parents, beautiful black parents. And I can't look at that picture anymore of him in that graduation outfit. It forces them to prove that they also love their children. That's exactly what it does. And this, I think you called it rounding up that occurred at the fair that day. That's exactly what it was, a catacall. Mm-hmm. He was kidnapped, right? I had nothing to do with it except being brown and I was kidnapped. And told, get to the other side. They used to do that, boy, century ago, some places in the South, still today, mm-hmm. where they say, oh, we'll let you go, now run. Yep. And we know what happens then. It's the same thing. It is disgusting. And um, there is no justice, but there's got to be a resolve here for this family. Yeah, and we will bring the update as it comes. There should be an update very soon. We do have an update to another story. Remember the bus driver, the bus driver who decided to physically assault two children on the bus. It was caught on video, we covered that. Now that bus driver has in fact been arrested. We have the identity as well as more background. Let me remind you of the video, here it is. Let's put up his mug shot, he has been arrested. The bus driver was initially physically assaulting a child. The sister 
decided to say something. And then after he assaulted the child again, he assaulted the sister of the child. Now, why did the conflict start? Well, the bus driver was telling this child to sit at the back of the bus where all of the older teenagers were. Well, the child was frightened of that idea that scared him. And he decided not to, which is understandable. He would have been bullied according to the narrative. But the bus driver did not care and wanted to force this child to go to the back of the bus, an atmosphere where he would have been bullied. Okay, let's keep his mug shut up. Georgia bus driver, he shoved two black siblings. He has now been arrested. James O'Neill is his name. He was arrested for two counts of simple battery Friday, September 16th. And the district has now fired him shortly after the incident. So simple battery, let's keep his picture up. Simple battery is a misdemeanor with a penalty for up to one year in prison. He'll never get that. And because O'Neill committed the crime as an employee, it could be escalated to a high or aggravated nature, which means he could be subject to a $5,000 fine rather than a $1,000 fine. Dequenia Carter is the mother of the two children. Ms. Carter is calling for harsher penalties, believing O'Neill received a slap on the wrist. Let's put up a picture of the mother. And I will say this to the mother, I agree with you, because there is actually a felony statute that should apply, especially for those who work with children. And given the fact that it was so egregious, he did it to two children at the exact same time. He should have been charged with the felony version of the statute in Georgia, he was not. She also thinks the crime was racially motivated, but investigators said they could not establish a nexus to support her claim. O'Neill is seen in the viral video pushing Carter's six year old son on September 9th before his sister intervenes. The driver then tells the 10 year old girl to return to her seat and later threatens to take her phone. Carter said the driver wanted the child to sit in the back, but the area was reserved for high school students. At one point, the small child who was shoved over in the seat appeared to be frantic. Let's go to the Morgan County Chief Deputy, let's put him up. Interesting fellow here, his name is Keith Howard. Keith said the investigation into the incident, and I quote, was complicated by the allegation that the incident was perceived as being racially motivated. You gotta be kidding me. So once again, you have a high ranking law enforcement official literally blaming the mother for the reason they did not arrest the SOB who physically abused these two children. He has literally said on the record, the reason we didn't get to this sooner is because of the racial or the racially motivated accusation. How in the hell does that stop your investigation, Chief? Because somebody believes there's a racial motivation to the crime. That should not stop any of your forensics, any of your investigative prowess, none of the video review evidence, nor how it is charged. You follow the evidence, right? Investigators looked at three videos. Two of them were recorded by the students and the official footage from the bus security camera. Howard did not rule out racial intent, but later said, it was not evident in the footage. Carter showed Atlanta Black Star a second video. So Ms. Carter showed a second video where O'Neill and Carter's daughter are in another dispute about where her little brother is on the bus. The man mocks how the girl speaks. He also walks past a white student who is standing on the bus and does not reprimand him. Carter pointed out, she believes her children were singled out because of their race. Now there's another person who really should lose her job. Let's put a picture up 
Initially, when all of this happened, she came out and defended the bus driver, blamed the children. She basically said the children were bad. That's why this bus driver acted the way he did. So Carter, Miss Carter is still calling for the school transportation manager, her name is Alicia Lord, to be terminated or resign for allegedly downplaying the incident. Okay, and that's exactly what she did. She downplayed the whole thing, blamed the children, and tried to exonerate the bus driver's abuse. The county, now that it has gone viral, completely disagrees with the transportation director. According to Ms. Carter, O'Neill was no stranger to complaints for prior behavior. Carter thinks O'Neill should have been charged with cruelty to children. Under Georgia law, a person supervising the welfare of or having immediate charge or custody of a child under the age of 18 commits the offense of cruelty to children in the first degree. But such person willfully deprives the child of necessary sustenance to the extent that the child's health or well-being is jeopardized. Cruelty to children, cruelty to children can also be classified as a misdemeanor or a felony or a felony. It is considered the first degree offense which such person maliciously causes a child under the age of 18, cruel or excessive physical or mental pain and can be in the third degree offense if the primary aggressor intentionally allows a child under the age of 18 to witness the commission of a forcible felony battery or family violence battery. Uh, The children have since been removed from this particular mostly white school system environment and placed in a more diverse district. While Carter's children are adjusting to this new district, Carter has taken pay cut, a pay cut to be a bus driver at their school to ensure they are safe. She wants to use the incident to create an initiative connecting parents and bus drivers since she has been on both sides now. Isn't that something? Message, what is your message in life? M-E-S-S-A-G-E, sometimes your message is just mess with age on it. She took this mess, she has now created a new movement in her own life to provide a light for other parents that may have a similar situation as she did. She's trying to be part of the solution. While the police are blaming her, while the transportation director are blaming her children, she's taking the approach of remedy, resolution, and power. Very proud of your actions. Thank you for the leadership you are continuing to provide to your children and by extension to the community. Sharon, what are your thoughts on this? This mother inspires me. She inspires me and so does her 10 year old daughter. One of the things you you want as a parent is for your kids to look out for each other when they go out into the world and you're not around. So the sister did right by her little brother. And Miss Lord, I think he said, the yes. transportation secretary, the, the kids are bad. No, she's bad, okay? And so are her crooked bangs, I'm sorry, she's <laughs> bad, okay? And for the police to not even wanna go there, like you said, just investigate. You have the footage, you have several angles of the footage. What did they need? A navigation set to Montgomery, Alabama, was that where they were going to prove that this is racially motivated? No. Okay, do your job. And this guy, I bet you if we just look up his Facebook page, that would have done the work for that. Probably so. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments before I do that. Reminder, Twitchuation Room is next. Francesca, Wednesdays, 4 p.m. 
Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. This is a Twitch exclusive, twitch.tv forward slash TYT, an amazing program. Okay, Travel Nurse Dragon says, who thinks if I overdosed a patient and killed them, I would have qualified immunity? Exactly, people say that would not make sense. But for some reason we have accepted it with the police. All right, stop dragging my car around says, a bus driver from Georgia bullying black children to go to the back of the bus, I'm shocked. Yeah, good point. Ray Ray, thank you for that Ray Ray. Hi, Dr. Richie, love the show so much. And hi, Sharon, enjoyed seeing you in She-Hulk. <laughs> that was awesome, yeah. <laughs> you did such a beautiful job too, I gotta say. <laughs> uh, you nailed it, great job. All right, everybody everybody who's watching, <laughs> make sure you check out Sharon Reed and She-Hulk. Uh, James, thank you, James, just listen to James drop, uh, James call, just listen to James drop the bomb. Uh, and do one more, agnostic sister says, not only did they rob this child of his life, his family of their son, uh, he traumatized an innocent driver who ended killing this young man, effing tragic all around, all right? Okay, that's something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're still friends. She needs to leave. She's trying to steal a wash. Are you kidding me? You need to leave, ma'am. I'm about to call a cop. I'm about to call the cops, ma'am. You're the Y'all need to back up. Y'all need to back up because she needs to get out of here. more video here. She also tried to mace him at the end, by the way. She utilized um, homophobic slurs against the individual and said, you work at a car wash. Now remember, according to the worker, she was trying to steal a car wash. And her retort, you work at a car wash. Well, that shows you the dynamic of Karenicity we've talked about for a long time, which is the status thing. They always believe typically that they are in fact better than whoever they are engaging with. That because of status or perceived status, they are in the belief they can treat somebody this way without penalty or repercussion. Well, we are the great equalizer here. I got more video, here it is. You go that way. From my you go that way. Get away from my car. I'm over here. You need to go that way. Quit following my car. You need to go that way. 
police report about the mace. I got your plate. Have a blessed day. There you go. All right, let's put up the picture for mass. This Karen has not been identified yet. If anybody knows her, I highly encourage an intervention quickly. All right, Sharon, we cover these particular Karens. Mm -hmm. We provide a mirror for reflection and ultimately correction if they heed to the point. What are your thoughts here? I wanted you to keep the picture up full mass just a little longer. I think <laughs> I ran into her at some oh, no. day. No, okay. no, no. I'm not sure, but I'm going to see if I can identify this Karen. You know, two observations. Number one, it appeared to be a relatively late model Mercedes, Dr. Ritchie. Yeah. And I was just thinking, they'll let anybody drive a Mercedes these days, won't they? <laughs> it was really, it's really but the other thing I noticed is as he was projecting but but calm in his demeanor as she just pulled out all the stops. That does seem to heighten their yeah. rage and their intensity. It draws more out of these Karens. And so again, it's a way for us to learn more. Um, you're doing a tremendous service by presenting these videos, getting them identified, and now just um, study them more. There you go. All right, at one point in the future, at some point, we are going to break the code. We're going to provide an yes. antidote to Karenicity throughout the world, all right? That's the whole Vaccine. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, um, very sad story. Chicago PD decided to shoot an unarmed young individual, shoot at them while at the same time claiming they were being shot at. Nothing like that happened. These cops have now been arrested. Let me take you to the video first. Here it is. A police watchdog group was able to get this video released. It shows officers shooting two men in a case that led to felony charges for these cops. You're going to see basically what looks to be a targeted assassination. There is absolutely no prerequisite to their action. They were not provoked, they were not in fear, they were not in danger. This was insane. You see the individuals on the camera. You're going to also see the police pull up unmarked, plain clothes. Nobody knows they are the police. And they decide to shoot without provocation. Do you hear me? They shot. Driving up to the scene, just started shooting with zero provocation. They have been arrested. Let me first put up the picture of the man who was wearing the white hoodie. 23 year old, Miguel Medina, he did not have a weapon. He did not fire a weapon. He did not try to harm those two officers. The reason why this is an important element is because the police report signed by both of these cops said that he in fact shot at them. And they were simply defending their lives. These are the two officers, let's put them up. On the left, you have Ruben Renazzo. Right, you have Sergeant Christopher Lykupolis. They are now charged. The two cops claimed they returned fire after shots were fired at them. 
early on the morning of July 22nd. The officers were not hit, but two other people were wounded, one seriously. But the Cook County State's Attorney, Kim Fox, said at a news conference Friday, the officers' claims were completely contradicted by videotape evidence. The officers did not have provocation or justification to shoot the unarmed victim. Evidence does not support use of deadly force. Let's put up the picture of the prosecuting DA, Ms. Fox. She said those words during a press conference. Here's some more context. The officers who were once again in plain clothes with Lycopolis at the wheel of an unmarked squad car were headed to a training course when they stopped, according to them, to investigate a group of people in the 1000 block of West 18th Street. Assistant State's Attorney Alyssa Janiki said during the officer's hearing, because they were on their way to training, neither was wearing a body worn camera, she said. As the officers talked to the group, Gail Medina, 23, and a 17 year old child with a satchel across the front of his body approached. Medina was holding a wine bottle and cell phone in one hand, but his other hand was empty. Medina was standing at the passenger side window of the squad car and showing officers both his hands. When one cop extended his arm from the window of the squad car, pointed a gun. The other cop also reached for his gun and leaned across Reynoso as both officers opened fire, striking Medina in the back and the leg, according to the prosecutor. What do you think that is? In the story and said, these were Piru blood gangsters or Crips. You would say, oh, that was a targeted attack, drive by shooting, targeted assassination, gang related. But then when I let you know that the police did it, the exact same set of facts. And then when I contextualize it by saying the police did it, all of a sudden there's a nuance to the narrative. Why? Don't fall for the indoctrination. They take advantage of the fact that they know people will trust them no matter what. They take advantage of that and they utilize it as leverage to continue to brutalize communities all over this country. Now it's not, not just black folk. Now we do get the harsher end of this, but they will brutalize you too. They will brutalize whoever stands in their way until accountability takes place. There's more to this story. The 17 year old took off running, grabbing a gun from his satchel and firing at the officers. I don't blame him. Plain clothes individuals all of a sudden shooting at you. The cops lied on the police report, the cops have been indicted, the cops are bad people, the cops started this. And according to them, oh, they were just trying to check out some guys while on their way to training. And they just happened to not have on anything that identified them as police. Sharon, what are your thoughts on this? This is mafiosa type behavior that only Sammy the Bull could appreciate. This is so scary, Dr. Yeah. Ritchie. This is horrific, what we've seen. What else have they done? And why are we talking about, thank God they're arrested, but was it just about, these are cold blooded, probably killers. We know they tried to kill some people. This is absolutely stunning. 
And there appears to be zero provocation here. Like the DC snipers, they're just going through the community and trying to blow people away. You're right, the one who ran away, it is self-defense. But I wonder when we will get it. There's got to be others who knew that this pair existed on the force. There's got to be others like them too. Absolutely, and let's be very clear, okay? If a person can somehow say, well, what Kyle Rittenhouse did was self-defense. And then say what the 17 year old did was criminal. That's just an insane comparison. The 17 year old saw two individuals without provocation trying to kill him. Let's let's eliminate the talking point for a moment. Let's get outside of the indoctrination of law enforcement. Let's just talk about common sense and humanity. If you have two people shooting at you, you have done nothing to provoke them. You have no idea who they are. You have not engaged them in any way. What are you going to do? You're going to try to defend yourself. And that's precisely why those cops have not been indicted. They are being prosecuted for the felonies they committed that day. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Okay, next TYT reporter says, I heard you are being inducted into the Black Leader Hall of Fame, Doc, congratulations. Well, thank you for that, I've been inducted this Friday. Very thankful, very humble into the Black, the National Black College Alumni Hall of Fame. Less than 1% of black scholars and leaders are inducted into this. I'm very, very appreciative of the opportunity. Some people that have been inducted include Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Oprah Winfrey, Chief Justice Thurgood Marshall, and Ambassador Andrew Young. And so I'll be inducted, I will be inducted this Friday. Thank you so much for that. Laron Harrison, over a car wash, damn, Karen, give it a rest. Paul Ian says he works at a car wash, but she doesn't have money for the car wash. Exactly, right? And let's go to when so. They lied because cops are corrupt and think they can get away with murdering people. And it must have worked before. I mean, who would run that play unless they know this is a play that actually works? So it must have worked at some point in the past. All right, really interesting. We have a preacher. His name is Pastor Lucas Miles. The good reverend was actually on the program not too long ago. So this pastor is claiming. That critical race theory, CRT, is anti-God, it is anti-Christianity. Here's his comment. God became man and he intersected the suffering of mankind, the true, he took on the true oppressive entity in this world, which was sin and death. He paid the price for us in order to redeem us and he freed us from the curse. So for CRT to be biblical, it has to acknowledge that Jesus freed us from the curse, which it doesn't take that into account. It, it, it says that the curse is still here, it still exists, that you know all this oppression is still uh, you know, in operation, ignoring the fact that Jesus actually you know, defeated that and, uh, you know, and lifted us out of that oppressive state uh, that we were in because of sin and death. And so uh, again, this is extra biblical at, at, at best, but it, it's really rooted in some anti-God you know, ideology. Uh, that, that we can trace all the way back to Karl Marx and 
No, sir, you are anti-God and sentiment. I would love to have you back, preacher, and debate your theological premise. But I want to remind you that God is actually for critical race theory. God is for ensuring that the oppressed have a fair shot. As a matter of fact, I challenge you to read the Old Testament of your scripture and answer the why. Why is it that according to text, God chose the children or the Hebrews? Why did he choose the Hebrews? According to the text, it says because they were the most oppressed in the land. They were chosen because they were the most oppressed in the land. Number one. Number two, if you believe, as you say, preacher, that Jesus freed us from the curse and critical race theory or racism is a curse, let me ask you this. That text actually says Jesus freed us from sin. Does sin still exist? Does murder still exist? Does robbery still exist? Does lying still exist? Okay. Preacher, once again, I invite you back on the show. Now, remember, This is the same preacher, ladies and gentlemen, who had a difficult time answering a simple question. He wanted to debate if Jesus was a Republican or Democrat. It was his debate choice. I allowed him to come on the show. And so I wanted to set the parameter of what Jesus, which one are we talking about? Here it is. Let me first ask you this question before we go any deeper. Which Jesus are we talking about? Are we talking about white Jesus or black Jesus? I am good. You, I'm glad you brought that up because there's actually multiple versions of Jesus, and I think it's really important to define that. I'm talking about the biblical Christ, the Christ from the first century, the Christ that was born in Bethlehem, the Christ that Scripture speaks of. Okay. So, what was he a man of color or was he a white European? He certainly wasn't a white European. He was right. he was a he was a man of of uh, the Middle Let's East. Say, and he, he, was, he was a man of what now? There. A, man, a man of color preacher, right? Right, Pastor. He was a man of color. He was a man of color, correct? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Right, there we go. Yeah, that was tough for him. Okay. Uh, this same individual is now claiming that a doctrine of of examination, known as critical race theory, is somehow opposite of God, antithetical to the value system proclaimed by Christianity. And I will say this, it is antithetical to God if your God is white supremacy. Uh, Yes, critical race theory is anti-God if your God is white supremacy. I said it for the record. Sharon, what are your thoughts here? I thought you got them all the way together the last time, Dr. Ritchie. I mean, can you have him back and debate something like did Homer Simpson want salt or sugar on the rim of his (laughs) margarita? I mean, it's just this guy is just all over the place to the point where what do you say? I would probably pay money to eavesdrop in a coffee shop and have he and Herschel Walker debate each oh other. To me, that would be that would be rich. That would be fun. Um, there's just he's just not credible, and even he, even the smirk on his face, even he knows that. Yeah. Well, he does have another invite here, uh, Sharon. To. You know, defend his point of view that somehow critical race theory is anti-God. Okay, a really interesting story, another follow-up update. Remember the county official out of Las Vegas County we talked about who has been arrested for murdering the reporter, the investigative reporter that exposed his corruption. Well, they are now trying to remove this guy. So let's put up his picture, let's put up the pictures of the individual who is the elected official named Robert Tellis and the investigative journalist 
who he killed according to the allegation, Jeff German. All right, Jeff German is on the right. Let me remind you of their history and potentially what led to the murder of Mr. German. Tellus lost a Democratic primary election in June, due in part to the investigative stories about his conduct in office. The investigative journalists had been covering an alleged inappropriate relationship Tellus was carrying on with a state coordinator, Roberta Lee Kennett. Both Tellus and Lee Kennett are married. German had also been reporting on alleged bullying and favoritism under the supervision of Tellus. The investigative reporter, German, also reported that there was a follow up story that was about to happen, that was about to come out. Then, according to the allegation, Mr. Tellus decided to dress up like this and commit murder. Okay? Now, I want to say this for the record. The other stories were already out. The other stories had already hit. He had already lost his Democratic primary. He was still an elected official until the term expired, okay? I submit this. I don't believe that this elected official killed the reporter because of what the reporter already exposed. I do not believe he killed this reporter out of spite or revenge. I think he killed the reporter because of the next story that was about to drop. That's what I believe. Now, the update, Clark County has released this statement on Tuesday regarding booting Tellus. They need to get him out of office now. Here's the update. It says regarding public administrator Robert Tellus, Clark County. Clark County has taken the first step in asking the court to remove Robert Tellus from elected office as the public administrator. In filing with the court at the direction of Clark County District Attorney Steve Wolfson has set the process in motion. The next step would be for the court to take action and declare that Robert Tellus has neglected to perform the official duties of the office and to remove him. Upon the court's order, Clark County would be able to formally appoint his replacement until voters elect a new public administrator this November, all right? He's still getting paid and he makes what, 130,000 a year? He's still getting paid while being incarcerated for murdering a reporter in his same district. This is just the first step in a process. Tellus has continued to collect his salary behind bars. He has been in custody since September 7th. In addition, in addition to this, Clark County DA Steve Wolfson has said he will determine in the coming weeks whether Tellus will face the death penalty. This is a death penalty potential. Okay. In court Tuesday, Tellus only spoke. In acknowledgement of the charges, he wore shackles, handcuffs, but no longer had bandages on his forearms from his post arrest suicide attempt. He will appear in court October 26th for the prelim. This is going to be a highlight of evidence to determine if he should stand trial in state court. There's plenty of evidence here. Let me remind you of the evidence. You saw that outfit. Let's put it back up for people to review. You see that? See the hat? shoes. When police came to his home, he had that same hat cut up into small pieces. He also tried to cut up the shoes as well. He did not hide them. The fact that they were cut into small pieces 
inside of his home is actually more problematic than if the cops found a hat that looked the exact same at his house. One is simply circumstantial, a defense attorney can argue that there are 20,000 of these hats made in America a year. But why cut it up? Now you have evidence of a guilty conscience. You have a symbolism of cover up right there in front of you. So he has been arrested, I do believe, and conclude personally that he did it. Sharon, what are your thoughts to this saga? Well, of course he did it. And you know, I like the way you kind of teed it up. Why did the journalist have to die when he already had lost the election and was still eh, sitting relatively pretty? And by the way, the mistress, boy, did she dodge a bullet. But this yeah. one is so fascinating to me, the details, the lying in wait, the horrific personal stabbing. I would I would hire a forensic accountant. That's where I would mm. start if I was the investigative team to find out what else was going down there. Yeah. Things you might have to pay back even when you're out of office. Yeah, and at this point, and you know this being a journalist yourself, the police, they have to find out what story possibly created this incentive, so to speak, for him to commit this criminal act. Okay, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back. We still have a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone, it's coming, unbossed with Nina Turner. Subscribe right now to Unboss with Nina Turner. Get ready to tune in daily, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. That's starting October 17th, all right? Nina will expose how the elites in government, media, and other sectors game the system, how you can fight back. Make sure you subscribe now. Very excited about the new programming. Lynn says, and why does CRT need to be biblical? Exactly. You know, I would challenge the preacher, where is the right to bear arms in the Bible? Where is freedom of speech in the Bible? It doesn't exist. Where is democracy in the Bible? Hell, where is voting in the Bible? Okay, Tondra Blankson, thank you so much, Tondra. I absolutely adore Sharon Reed, commentary on point. Dr. Richie and Ms. Reed together is fire, I agree. Shay Dragon. Watching a brain break in real time, talking about the CRT anti-God theology. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know how to respond to the black Jesus, white Jesus thing. Somebody should have told him about me before he came on the show. All right, yep, he did it. Trump is being accused of paying a key witness money after the Mar-a-Lago raid, and it is proven. Donald Trump paid a key witness after this Mar-a-Lago raid. This was only 11 days after the raid, FBI conducted that search. He then starts putting people magically on the payroll. Let me give you some background. So CNN's Aaron Burnett broke down the loss Trump was handed by the special master. Let's go to that, Raymond Mary in the Mar-a-Lago document case. Trump has for weeks, according to Aaron again and again. Anytime he spoke publicly said that he declassified the more than 100 documents seized in the FBI search. That's what he said. He said they were already declassified. But there's never been any evidence or anyone who has come to verify that. And the special master is now saying that unless he receives any evidence to back up that claim that Trump is publicly making, he will consider all the information marked classified, classified to be classified. So good for the special master. Remember I said this from day one. Special master 
really should only have one job to figure out what is covered by attorney client privilege and what is not. However, this particular federal judge gave this special master who happens to be a former federal judge, gave this special master another power to determine what is covered by executive privilege or what has been declassified because of some directive from the president while he was serving. None of that is on record, none of that is statutorily settled, none of that has been decided by the US Supreme Court of Federal Law, which would create an extreme precedent in how a special master is used. Um, Burnett then talked to former White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham to get her take. Let's put up Ms. Grisham, all right? If I know Donald Trump, he's going to tell them to lean into the fact that they were declassified. I know he has said that he uh, that he had told Cash Patel that they were declassified. But I think it's important for just your viewers, the country to understand that that's how it works. You don't just say the words, these are now declassified and it's done. There is a process. But let me remind everyone, documents are not declassified for the president. The president of the United States can read classified documents, top secret, 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 above top secret. He can read those documents. He can be read into pretty much anything he chooses to with few exceptions. So when they're declassified, who are they declassified for? Me and you. Meaning if they are declassified, I should have access to them and you should have access to them. Do you have access to them? No. Do I have access to them? No. If they were declassified, why is it that Trump did not release these declassified documents via, I don't know, social media, truth social, a press release, a press conference? Why did he just tell us what he had since they're declassified, right? Well, he knew they were not declassified. That's why he never exposed it. Also, it also loses its value. If you have a secret, the only value to that secret is the fact that only a few people know about it. It loses its value once you actually declassify it. So he kept it classified, kept it in his home, violation of the Espionage Act. And more importantly, people, agencies would need to be told, right? The CIA, the DOJ, the FBI, the people who have sources and methods out there, they would need to know that. They, uh, hey, these documents are suddenly declassified. So they can move those sources around. That never happened because the documents were never declassified, right? Now, let me bring you to Cash Patel. Let's put up his picture. Let me tell you what happened. It's important to note right here. In this case, he served as chief of staff to the acting United States Secretary of Defense under Donald Trump. Also on Tuesday, Trump's Save America PAC revealed a payment for the first time to Patel's consulting firm 11 days after the Mar-a-Lago raid. Let's put it up, we have the record right here. So what has happened? A person who is absolutely going to eventually have to testify as a witness against Donald Trump. After it was publicly proclaimed that this person will be a witness in this federal case. Days later, magically, that same person appears on the payroll of Donald Trump for the first time. Grisham suggested Patel and others might publicly testify that Trump declassified the documents. Oh, I got my proof, you know, the guy Patel who's on my payroll that magically came on my payroll after the raid. Yeah, he can, he can verify. What I've said here.
that I declassified the documents. Kind of game with these people playing. Trump isn't even playing it smart. Remember, he said the documents were declassified rather than, than just shedding his mouth. He said they were declassified. Now, because he said it, the special master is saying to Trump lawyers, okay, show me the ones that are declassified. And Trump lawyers are like, whoa, wait a minute. We don't need to do that until you know we, we actually wanna go and challenge what the FBI took. And the special master is like, no, 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 no. The man is saying that he declassified the documents. Now I need to know which, one are, which ones are declassified. The attorneys of Trump refuse to submit any of that information because they know good and damn well it's a lie. Which also means if they do it anyway, because Trump told them to, they are now in violation of their ethical standards with the bar. There you have it. Sharon, thoughts here. You know, Rashad, this whole thing is just, my daughter stays on TikTok. And <laughs> the other day she showed me this bottle of pills. You take one of these gummies, you become dumber by the hour. This whole thing is so nutty. They can't shut their client up. He says contradictory, just ridiculous things about a magic wand and declassification. And all of it is nuts. It's just nuts. And $7,500, I'm sure there'll be more payments that'll trickle out. You're gonna have to put some more zeros behind that before I'm gonna publicly testify to your dippy game. Yeah, there's always another money play, right? Okay, we're gonna follow that obviously as it continues. Migrant individuals, human beings kidnapped. They go to multiple states, lied to, dropped off, abandoned. The governor who was behind it, Ron DeSatan, is under criminal investigation by the sheriff out in Texas for this deed, sending migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Well, now there's a class action lawsuit. And I said this was coming. Remember, I said $600,000, $700,000 for this political ploy. That's one fee the taxpayers will pay. The other will be the millions in defending the lawsuit. And the next will be the millions in paying the lawsuit once they are settled. Okay, the migrants allege the complaint in the complaint that they were given misleading information, promising cash assistance, employment services, and housing assistance, which they called bold faced lies. The nearly 50 migrants said they were told they were headed to Boston and Washington DC for help. Let's put up, let's put up this brochure. You see that? Would you take a good look at it? They allege Florida officials manufactured an official looking brochure with language from the Massachusetts Refugee Resettlement Program in order to create their false representation in furtherance of a conspiracy. What you're looking at right there is a smoking gun. It shows creativity, strategy, coordination. They predetermined this activity and conspired with each other in order to do what? In order to kidnap human beings. Now, I have been saying since this happened, the Department of Justice should get involved directly. This is clearly a violation of law, a violation of due process, a violation of their absolute civil rights. Remember, you do not have to have a certain status in America in order for the Constitution to apply to you. You still have the right of due process, still have the right not to be criminally violated, you still have the right to not be kidnapped. And the government did this. Let's not forget who did it. 
The government of Florida did this to them. That's who did it. And they created literature in order to land the conspiracy. Per the suit, these human beings escaped a humanitarian crisis only for DeSantis to put them in another one. The migrants who are being represented by a Boston based law firm for civil rights say they suffered economic, emotional, and constitutional harms that amount to a minimum of $75,000. The reason why that's required is because in federal court, one of the rules is it has to be at least 75,000. There are a few other ones, but that's one of them. They're also asking the federal court to block DeSantis from repeating the action. They would like the federal court to issue an injunction against the now currently investigated governor of Florida. The complaint argues that Florida officials conducted discriminatory actions on the basis of alienage and deprives them of the equal protection of laws under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. An argument I made on day one, Florida officials have intentionally targeted only individuals who are non-white and born outside of the United States, they allege. The defendant's actions not only offend all notions of fairness, but they also stripped plaintiffs of their basic human dignity in violation of what? Due process, that's right, that's the right argument, okay? That's the same argument that the DOJ should be making right now against DeSantis, but they're not. This is the same argument that the DOJ should be making against those who were involved in the transportation and the recruiting in the creation of this false material that's called conspiracy, okay? All right, let's put her up. Taryn Finsky, who's a spokesperson for Governor DeSantis, told Axios, and I quote, it is opportunistic that activists would use illegal immigrants for political theater. Now, she's obviously a Karen. It was her governor, her boss, who created one of the most extreme optical illusions we have seen in recent history. Chartered a pilot, a plane, brochures, coordinated with everybody but the individuals on the plane, lied to them. They didn't coordinate with Martha's Vineyard. They didn't give a damn about these immigrants, about these human beings, could care less about their status, their plight. So she's saying that the activists are the ones who are creating political theater. Let's put a picture back up. She's the one that wants to be in front of this story. We will let her be in front of it. She continued by saying, if activists spent this kind of time and effort at the border, perhaps some accountability would be brought to the Biden administration's reckless border policies that entice illegal immigrants to make dangerous and often lethal journeys. 90%, ladies and gentlemen, 90%. The reason why 90% of undocumented workers come to America is because of the employers who hire them. The same federal law that makes it illegal to work undocumented that same federal law, the subsection of that same federal law says it is illegal to hire them. How many times have you seen the CEO of a company being arrested along with the 600 employees that same day? What have you seen the recruitment director or the HR manager being arrested along with the hundreds of undocumented workers? If they wanted to actually stop this particular draw, they would at least go after the CEOs, but they never do.
because they are typically rich and white. All right, um, meanwhile, which is, this is insane. Uh, Finsky, who attached a redacted consent form for the flight, said it was a voluntary program that gave the homeless, hungry, and abandoned immigrants a fresh start in a sanctuary state. Meanwhile, DeSantis has plans to spend millions that Florida has budgeted to continue this ridiculous practice. Lawyers for the migrants have requested Massachusetts Attorney General and the federal government open criminal investigations in response to the transports, which have elicited strong reactions on both sides of the aisle. The Biden administration is considering litigation options in response. All right, listen, let's get it cracking now. These people are not playing games. While we're still out here talking about what should the next step be, they are planning three or four steps ahead of everybody. Please note, this action will not stop until there is a real penalty for DeSantis and others who engage in this kind of ridiculous, insane, and extreme behavior. Sharon, what are your thoughts on this? DeSantis should go to federal prison. If, if he is the mastermind, he should yeah. go to federal prison along with his friends in Texas and Arizona. This is nothing short of human smuggling-ish type yeah. stuff where people have trauma and persecution and they flee and they believe and they pay the pennies that they have just to get here only to be hoodwinked. That's what he's doing. He kidnapped these people, took them across state lines and he should go to federal, whoever's responsible should go to federal prison. That's right, DeSantis is not above the law. The individuals who were kidnapped and lured into this false atmosphere, they are not below the law. They are human beings. And as I said before, this is not about two different sides fighting for the same thing with different methodology. This is literally about two very different countries. DeSantis, he has his view of what America should be and we have ours. There's more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have more show left. Let me read some of these beautiful comments. Okay, Stephen Dorowski, witness tampering, another stupid criminal move. Yeah. Brooke Marks, $7,500, cheap ass. Yeah, you can hear Trump saying there's more where that came from, buddy. Just need you to get along, go along with the program. AJ Nestor, not simply kidnapping, human trafficking. Boom. All right, got something for you. Anti-Karens unite. You screaming at employees, Walmart, get out of here. That's racist. Yes, it is. No, it's not. The United States doesn't have an official language, jackass. Tanya, um, I accidentally thought a customer had that new monkey pox disease out there, but she didn't. So I said I was sorry. Well, she starts firing at me. I'm asking her to leave. She refuses to leave. And she's recording me as we're talking. So, call all security. 
the new virus that's going around. You said I have the monkey pox that I need to leave the, the store. You said, you said I need so to I leave. I, I have more video. So this particular, uh, we will dub her the five below Karen. This is that five below. Uh, this particular Karen said that a patron of the establishment had monkey pox. So obviously um, she has her medical degree and she made the determination conclusively and told the woman she had to leave the establishment. She later realized that she was actually wrong. The woman did not have monkey pox and she was absolutely incorrect in telling her to leave the store. By this time, uh, the customer has uh, complained. Let me see your manager, I need to talk to somebody. Well, the Karen here decides to call security and get I guess direction on what to do. She still wants the person to leave, even though she is the one who was wrong. There's more video, here it is. I have a customer here who's giving me a problem leaving my store because I thought she had that new disease out there, monkeypox. And so I told her I was sorry for thinking that, but it was burns, I guess, on her face. And she swore at me, she swore at me, she called, I'm holding up my line, she won't leave the store. So my the head boss told me what it was. She's here, she's recording me, she's refusing to leave. Because you're being a coward. I'm not Guyanese. Um, yeah, you are. Um, yeah, she is human and everything. Sandals, army pants, and brown purse. She's either Guyanese or Indian. I told her I was sorry. You didn't say you were sorry. You said I have the monkey pox and I need to leave the building. She's This is so sad. The reason why the saga is continuing is because this particular Karen refuses to check out the anti-Karen recording. You have already determined you were wrong, madam. Why are you giving this woman a problem, embarrassing her even more? You've already said the woman has monkey pox and talked about the sores on her face. The embarrassment that you're bringing to this person is insane. And then you are refusing to allow her to check out her belongings, the things that she is shopping for, given your company, business. There's more, here it is. Sorry about that, have a good night, give me yours. I'm not cashing that stuff out. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, that's not for going. This is not refusing. Yes, they're together. You're being yes. separate. Yes, they're together. She's separate from me. I'll cash that out. Uh-huh. She was getting this stuff. That's fine. I'm not cashing out her stuff
Um, I have a customer here that I thought had that new disease called monkey pups, but it turns out it was a burden on her face. And so I was calling. She starts swearing at me. I told her to leave. She's refusing to leave. We're having a big scene here. She's reporting me on Facebook. I already called the police. So can you please send somebody over here? Karen, this is insane. Ma'am, you were wrong. You admitted you were wrong. You still called the police. You're still calling security. You're still saying you would not check her out unless she stops recording you. All right, Sharon, thoughts here. Oh, well, just real quick, uh, two dumb things. First of all, that the police or security listened to her story and said, you know, sure, you know, we'll come, we'll help you out here. And the other dumb thing is, if I have monkeypox, Karen. Don't you want to check me out and get me out of there? Get me out of there quick, okay? This is just, she is insane. It's just yeah. insane at this point. Yeah, and we see a lot of it was about the power because she definitely let her know, if you stop doing this, I would consider doing that. Right. Had nothing to do with anything else. All right, Sharon, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell Thank people they can follow you, check out your great work. I'm across all platforms. Sharon Reed Live is how you can find me or on She-Hawk, Rashad. That's it. Another installment. Beautiful thing. <laughs> all right, until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable, I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today, but what do we do on this show? We tell the truth, you know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here, congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. Here's the pattern that we see in all of these Karen stories. They think they own stuff they do not own. Now, where does that come from? I don't know, maybe slavery. Maybe they think they should still own black people. This is what happens when Karens weaponize the police. When you're used to privilege, equality seems like oppression. It hits you in a certain way when someone is holding you against your will, treating you like you're a criminal and you're an innocent person. This is something that black people face no matter where they are. A stronger black economy lends itself to a stronger, greater economy. Don't think it's exclusive of you, it's inclusive of you. What's your beef with critical race theory? It adds more fuel to the fire of the racist tendencies that we already have. We have a generation of problem solvers that can remedy the problem if they are properly taught what the problem is. You know who created redlining in this country? Mm -hmm. The white liberal. I, I, don't, I don't give a damn who created it. If it's no, a racist I, I, policy, I racist policy. Shelly, here's what I don't know. I don't know. See, there you go filibustering, brother. You're scared of this truth, but you're gonna get it though.